This is Bibliovile, the terrible book exchange where a wife and her husband get each other the worst books they can find. Uh, yearly Otherworld edition, I read Priestess Dreaming by Yasmin Galanorn. I read Panther Prowling, also by Yasmin Galanorn. And I read Darkness Raging by Yasmin Galanorn. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to Bibliovile, the terrible book exchange. My name is Mick Dickinson. I'm Susan Dickinson. And I'm Michelle Johnson. And it is the apparently yearly tradition of an Otherworld episode. It has been literally a calendar year since we have done one of these uh, due to our lengthy sabbatical, we'll call it, from mm-hmm. Bibliovile. But we are back and whew, it is good to be home, baby. We are home in Otherworld, the best book series that there is. It is Christmas Eve. As we record this, I just spilled beer on my laptop due to the foam. But not on the floor, which my mother would have been very mad That's about. That's true. <laughs> we are in the Harry Potter closet, which is carpeted for reasons. But it makes for a very, very good audio space, given the amount of suitcases that provide for uh, sort of sound padding. That's a question. Why did two people need one, two, six. three, four, five, six suitcases? And three, like three backpacks. Three varieties of size of suitcase. I suppose, yeah. Well, okay. I suppose. Uh, we are here to talk about Bibli... Or, no, this is Biblioval. We are here to talk about Otherworld, the lengthy book series that has uh, uh, captured our hearts and our minds and our loins. Oh, no, thank you. Probably not. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, especially with what I'm about to talk about. So if it is your first time listening to an Otherworld series, oh boy, this is going to be great because the very first Otherworld book Sue had to read was the 17th? I think it was actually the 12th. Oh, it gets bigger every time I recite yeah. it. Much like a fish or, mm. yeah. Um, So the 12th book in the series Crimson Veil? Vale? Yes. yes, Crimson okay. Veil. Vale. Thank you for joining. It was our uh, uh, first book we read. So if this is your... And it fr- was amazing. It was amazing. So if this is your first entry into the series, you're even later than that, but uh, it should be a good time. Otherwise, you can go back and look for the other world uh, uh, titles. I've started naming the podcast titles, the books we read, because it's impossible to search for specific books. But it's so fun to come up with silly titles. It's not for anyone else but us. Alright, that's fine. Our listeners. We've got both of them to our think about. Our listener, because right. one of our listeners is uh, in the podcast this time. Hi. Hi. So, speaking of which, uh, reintroduce you to Michelle. Hi. Michelle's here. Michelle's here. She's been on a lot. She played a socialite when we, or an, an influencer when we played an RPG. Mm-hmm. She's also read many other world books. Yeah. Well, one third of them, to yeah. be yes. precise. Because each of us reads one of the, the series, or one of the books in a series that come out in triplets. Uh, and Camille, the Moon Witch, is the one that I have. It's always the first in the triplet. Uh, and so I read Priestess Dreaming, which stars Camille, the thrice-husbanded uh, moon witch who has a lot of thrice-husband sex. Gross. Gr- yeah, and it got worse. I mean, like, I don't want to yuck on anybody's yum, but that's a lot of wieners. You didn't have to... Oh, yeah, well, I'll talk about it. 
Uh, Michelle, you read? I read the the books that are from the perspective of Delilah, who is only once husbanded. Um, actually, not husbanded at all. She's in. She's affianced. Um, <laughs> she's a werecat slash also a panther. Um, these are different things, and it's very important that she can shift into two separate creatures. Don't forget, she is a consort to the Autumn Lord. Yes, not a consort, but devoted to the Autumn yeah. Lord. Mm-hmm. Yes, we get some details on that. Ooh, um, and okay. also, so she's devoted to the Autumn Lord, but but engaged to be married to a different person. Mm-hmm. It's confusing. Who's a um, dragon. Yeah. And not like that. Uh, I read from the perspective of Manali, who is a vampire. She was originally half human, half fae, and she was uh, uh, some sort of fancy acrobat thing. A Jantu, I think Acrobat spy. Um, And then she she became a vampire. She is married to a were-puma, and that's her only spouse at the beginning of my book. Oh, really? So our our pornogra- pornographic trilogy comes crashing down. Um, well, no. She said only. She spouse has at only the one spouse at the beginning. I know, but of the, this the, book. the 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 setup was always that I've got three guys, one lady. Then I got one guy, one lady. And then we had two ladies, which was always kind of like, so whatever you're into, there's something for everybody. And now, apparently. Okay. There's there's a lot. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. And so I will start with Priestess Dreaming. Uh, This was a particularly fun uh, edition of Otherworld Biblioval. Since, as I have spoken about, it's been a calendar year since we've done this, I had 0% recollection where these books were. Yeah. Uh, not only what my book was, but what Susan's book, the one directly preceding mine, was about. I don't remember what that one was about either, to uh, be fair. So, I honestly think this was written for that event, because there was a lot of summation and reminders. Like, more than usual. Like, not just mentioning Shadowing, but mentioning who he is and what's happening and all this sort of stuff. So I think Yasmin Galinor legitimately took a step and was like, Alright, it's been a while since I've written one. Let's kind of get back on, on top. Uh, the story is the most unfocused one of these I have read in a long time. I, I think I, I seem to remember. Uh, it wasn't necessarily bad, but it was vastly unfocused. Uh, and I can give you an example, two examples. Is that related to the fact that it was a lot of summary? Like, is that what made it feel so Kinda, unfocused? I think legitimately the last trilogy and the trilogy or the triple lit before that yeah. were pretty extraordinarily fast paced and had a lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah and as the fair. other world, uh, women are, are want to remark that they just want a time to like slow down and yeah. breathe. And this wasn't exactly a time to slow down and breathe, but it was a little bit less than it had been before. Okay. So... Iris, the Finnish house sprite, had twins. Mm-hmm. Yes, she did. And both of my examples of how this book was uh, was unfocused uh, revolve around her, and I have more past that, but my two favorites are revolving around her. That uh, It is mentioned that Iris has been breastfeeding her twins and also Chase's baby, which I had forgotten happened. Yeah, Chase had a Chase baby, had a baby Astrid, with Shara. With Shara, who mm-hmm. is in Otherworld doing stuff and is set to She's be- the queen of the elves. She's set to become a queen and Chase is going to have to step aside for a full-blooded heir or something that was mentioned. But anyway, so she, Shara is gone. So Chase's daughter, Astrid, has to have Iris as a wet nurse. So basically okay. Iris has three babies 
two boobs, and it mentions that uh, Iris's uh, boobs have gotten gigantic. And Cammy like looks and comments and remarks upon this, and it takes like a paragraph, which in the grand scheme of a book is not particularly long, but at the same time. It does nothing to get us anywhere else. Yeah. And so it is just like, okay, cool. Breastfeeding house sprite who is four feet tall and uh, has boobs as big as Cammy, who is also not particularly tall. But also related to the the baby the baby thing is something that is a little bit of character building. It's not totally unnecessary, and I really liked it as character building, but it is, I suppose, what you might call unfocused. Yeah. Is how terrible Cammy is with children. Uh, and not in like a, she's, she's negative towards them, but I just love this. This is the only quote I took. <laughs> the babies gurgled or rather one of them gurgled. It was Ukonin. I knew because Iris had wrapped him in blue while Maria was always wrapped in a violet blanket. Astrid was cloaked in green. Ukonin blinked, his tiny arms waving around in some sort of attempt to communicate his thoughts. And then he hiccuped and closed his eyes. Within seconds, he was back asleep. I stared at them for another moment. Then... Not knowing what else to do with them, went back to the tree. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, like babies, yeah. huh? Well, cool. Bye. Bye. And I thought that was kind of a, a, a little moment of character building. And it is consistent. Like, Cammy does not want children. Yeah. She is happy playing the aunt and is just like, uh, babies, huh? Uh, <laughs> sure. So the overarching plot of this one has very little to do with what we like to call big plot. We do get a couple hints towards this war that's happening in Otherworld. But basically... Cammy has a uh, a vision on her way to go Black Friday shopping. Okay. This takes place uh, after the initial scene of a turkey escaping in the kitchen. <laughs> uh, after Thanksgiving, but uh, before Yule, uh, Santa shows up. The Yule King uh, is is seemed seen as a threat. Like, oops, oh. we accidentally summoned him. He's here. He's more like the King of Winter than he is like Santa. Okay. And so winter representing like Krampus? death and not quite Krampus, but the Holly King, the Yule King. Okay. Uh, kind of, I mean, Holly's poisonous. Winter is about death and everything. So it, he's not exactly a happy sight, but that's not, it does not come around. Maybe Michelle will talk about it, but it does not come around at all. No, <laughs> nothing. Okay. So I guess the Yule King's just in Seattle now. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> so uh, she has a vision while going Black Friday shopping, uh, that something big is awakening. It seems big and seems like a dragon, but much bigger than a dragon like Smokey or Shade, like big, 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 big dragon. Then they go Black Friday shopping and it's kind of funny because they're magical, but they're still like punching out housewives for, you know, wares. Bless you. Um, and so... That was kind of a fun. And then they get back, and it turns out that Roz, the sucky, the incubus, excuse yeah. me, and Yenzir, the dream eater demon, demon yeah. uh, have bought a scroll back to the house to open to, they are told it will decorate for winter, and it opens a portal to the Northlands, and snow is oh. about 12 inches in their living room before the girls get back. And so they have to figure That's out how, adorable. Do we, how do we close the... Uh, um, portal and then a bunch of creatures are coming through from the northlands like little ice goblins and an ice hedgehog that is very <gasps> evil it's evil oh. and a bunch of fairies and there's there's fun times with fairies disrupting the black friday parade which is not a thing that happens a thanksgiving parade yeah. is what happens but there's like a black friday but isn't parade. the macy's thanksgiving day parade trademarked well i think the macy's thanksgiving day parade is trademarked but like a Thanksgiving parade, mm. you know, a non-denominational Fourth Thursday and November <laughs> parade, um, and the the there's pixies and they're sprinkling dust and it's all very nothing. 
But then it comes around. Yeah, there's going to be a gigantic ancient dragon thing awakening. Uh, it's I didn't even bother writing its name down. It's one of those like Y N Z names, and it's like I'm not. It's the yeah. big dragon. And so they have to find a way to be able to kill this big ancient dragon that's waking up because of all of the details about Otherworld that were happening that I didn't understand. The <laughs> Fey Lords who split Otherworld from Earthrealm from Shadowlands or whatever uh, weren't cool. There was a war and it seems like every, cool. <laughs> everyone that were on the side of was on the other side of that war if they're old enough to be. And so they used the worms. Why are... Yeah. W-Y-R-M-S, the big, big dragons, uh, to help win this war. And when they won, they're afraid of the worm's power, so they put them to sleep. Okay. And basically, the fey lords are beginning to wake up, so the worms are beginning to wake up as well, because they, I don't know, magic is whatever Yasmin Galanorn says it is. Yeah. She's, she, yes, she made good magic. So... The first worm is waking up. They have to go kill it. And the only person that could possibly know how to kill it is the Merlin. The. Now, yes. He Merlin. has a name, though. Yes. And I didn't write it down. Merdin. It's Merdin. Merdin. It's like, what if, Mer- what if you said Merlin, but with a Spanish Merdin. accent? Merdin. Merdin. Uh, so the Merlin is a title which has been held by an FBH pretender for some time now. Okay. Uh, they have to go find the Merlin who is put to sleep in the same way that the two fey queens were. Astro- Aval uh, and Titania. Aval and Titania. Uh, very nice. I'm very proud of it's you. It's coming up in my book. Okay, uh, I wondered when that was going to come up. So then uh, Merlin was also put to sleep. They have to go get him, but he's in the great Fey realm, like the the elder the sovereign Fey nation. No, that's different. No, that's, that's oh no, the elder Fey, the, the elder yeah, Fey the realm, elder fey. where they've um, been before and got chased by a big old Fin Man. And every single time they mention the Fin Man, I thought of the Cabin in the Woods. You haven't seen it. Have you seen Cabin in? Oh, Cabin in the Woods. Whatever. I thought I thought about the Fin Man in Cabin in the Woods. All right. He's. Are you saying Fin as in Fin as, as in, in a like merman? Like a as in our dog? No, as in a fish, oh. a merman. Are you sure it's not our dog? Yes. Um. I just was making sure you weren't saying like Fin Man, like a Slenderman situation. No, that that would associate or that would imply that there is some sort of thick man. <laughs> and I don't want to think about that. that. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Have you read of him? <laughs> um. Have you read about M'Baku? <laughs> Timely. Anyway, uh, I do want to mention that they do meet a German fey who I think is either going to be a more major character as we move on or straight up get married to Cammy because uh, sparks flew when they touched, literally, Aww. magic sparks. Although she kept saying it wasn't sexual, but then neither was Smokey at the beginning. Or I suppose he was, but it wasn't great. Uh, who but is his, this person? He is a German fey demon hunter and his name is Tanne. Baum. Yeah. Tannenbaum. Yeah. German for Christmas tree. Yeah. Which. Oh no, my seashells. <laughs> Update everyone. Not a beer bottle. Not a beer bottle, my seashells. <laughs> I think from now on, if I break a beer bottle, I'm going to say my seashells. My cabbages. Oh, my cabbages. <laughs> uh, this has nothing to do with anything, but I did love the one subplot that happens that I could remember. And like coherently summarize is that everyone is always asking Cammy about what to get for others for this upcoming Christmas or Yule. Uh, and she's like, I don't know. <laughs> she's beginning to get so tired of being like the emotional center and the organizer. But anyway, 
we get a, a medium-sized Wikipedia report on Seattle, Seattle geography there in the middle. Okay. Uh, so they have to go kill this worm. Anyway, they have to go in the Elder Fae. They have to kill it before it arises, because if it arises, it's pretty much uh, going to be the worst thing they've ever faced. And Otherworld has a problem with sort of increasing power levels like every single time it's the most powerful thing that's ever happened and smokey is very powerful but he's not powerful enough to handle this whatever uh and so if they don't kill it the fbhs might have to nuke this worm which would be very funny to kind of see bad news the thing i get least about this these books is the triple threat of titania aval aval and morgane and so we are spending almost entire or almost the entire second half of this book with Morgane talking about the triple threats. I'm like, I don't understand this at all. The day queen, the dusk queen, and yep. the night queen of the Fae or something on the Earth side. Uh, they move through a portal to the Elder Fae world at exactly 50% of the way through the book. How's that for story structure or mm. myth of what's the heroic myth or whatever you are? The, anyway the hero's journey hero's journey there's a guy who writes it yeah there is bad not worth the time to think nope. about but i didn't even take any notes between them going through the portal and them getting to the merlin because it's just this once they get through the portal it's the most D thing ever and i know i say that a lot but this seemed very much like uh yasmin galanorn played a session of D because it's like here's a trail let's walk down the trail occasionally mobs will come at us from the trail and we have to figure out how to beat them the first one they find is a bunch of Will-O-The-Wisps and Tannenbaum yep. sings them away. He's a spirit singer, so he can sing the spells. Uh, once again, continuing the otherworld pattern of never having the same type of person twice. Yes. Which I very much appreciate. Oh, it, it continues. It okay. continues. <laughs> um, and then they face a golem of wasps, which I'm putting in my back pocket for my mm. next D&D adventure, because that's a good thing to make a golem out of. Yeah. Uh, I, if by good you mean horrifying yeah yeah uh they beat it by lighting a big old fire uh and smoke goes oh uh trillion goes on a mission we don't see him until we come back and he's fine but anyway that happens if it getting the book so she steals some of roz's stuff because roz goes with trillion to start a fire the, the wasps fall asleep in smoke they go dormant in smoke so that's how they beat the golem which i thought is a delightful way of mixing reality with fantasy mm-hmm. rpgs because this that's what this is yeah after the wasps, they continue moving. There's a bog monster that can puke bog into their lungs until they drown. If the Gross. bog men manage to kiss them, which it's like, why do we have to make everything a kiss? Why can't I just be like, they'll vomit stuff into your mouth? Like, that's fine. Um, I mean, but I mean, the bog not, men all start sure. retracting into the bog because who shows up but the elemental representation of winter? Wasn't that the Yule King? Yeah. I thought so too, but there's another one. Okay. Uh, Is he friends with, with the Autumn Lord? I, or yeah, she? it's like, I don't know. He was kind of on the same par. We didn't really get a reading of their social calendar. Right. She was more linked to the Mistress of Magic. Interesting. Whoever that was the last time. Pentagram or whatever. Hmm. Um, and so she shows up and if she washes her laundry in the water, someone's going to die. <laughs> I don't cool. know. I, I have no idea. It, I think it was an Irish folk or something. Uh, so she washes her laundry in the bog water, which is like, that's not going to get it clean, girl. No, you know that, right? Uh, and so someone's going to die on this trip. So on this trip are Cammie, Delilah, uh, Morio, one of Cammie's husbands, the fox one. Who is, uh, uh, yeah. 
uh, a Yukai Kitsune, a fox demon. Then we have Morgane from the, the Dust Queen of the Triple Threat. Mordred, her nephew, we are led to believe. Arturio, who's just some guy that follows her around. And Bran, who is... Bran. From Game of Thrones. Yeah, no, yeah. he is the Raven Queen and the Black Unicorn. He's the unicorns. third eye Raven, actually. Yeah, the, he's the three-eyed Raven. The Raven Queen and the Black Unicorn's son, who is creepy and bad, and I don't know, I don't remember why. So that's the team we have going. Then they continue moving. They get to, like, a weird cave, and they there's a big old storm after the second winter person shows up, uh, and they make it through the big old storm. Then they face some crystal scorpions. They make it through an illusory wall, get down to a portal where they find, like, a temple across a lake. They take a boat across the lake, and then there's a poisoned path. It's a very Temple of Horrors I roll for perception. Then they get inside, and here's the Merlin in a crystal case with, like, a happy dragon sort of moving around. She's a mix of blue and green, so earth and air. And she's happily going around, and Cammy's like, how do we even wake the Merlin up? And it turns out, like most things in the other world, you fuck. Uh, so she gets a vision, and she's like, I know what we have to do. So she and Moriel have sex on top of the coffin. Cool. Yeah. And it's never referenced to anyone else in their party, like... Who's there, presumably? Yeah, hey, cool, good for you, get it, I guess, and we'll just stand back here. Uh, That's so interesting, because that kind of stuff never happens in my no, books. No, never, It's only never. Camille. Even Camille doesn't do those things in my books. Constantly. Constantly. Every every single ritual she does involves some sort of screwing. Um, So then, the only reference we get to it is the Merlin after he awakes, because it works... Later says, like, chapters later, I woke up to see a very interesting sight on top of the casket. Oh, no. <laughs> Which at least somebody said something. Yeah. I was going to go insane if no one commented it at all. Um, so the Merlin wakes up, and the Merlin for King Arthur was a different guy from this guy. Uh, but the Merlin wakes up, and you may recognize as Morgane Mordred as mm -hmm. characters in the Arthurian legend, and Arturo... Guess Arthur, he is. very clearly Arthur, and I'm like, well, doesn't Mordred kill Arthur? Like, mm -hmm. isn't that part of the whole thing? <laughs> and then I'm like, well, this is an urban fantasy slash explicit sex book. You can't count on these things to actually legitimately follow Arthurian legend. No, the Merlin slaps Arthur on the head. He comes out of whatever fog, and he's like, Morgane, you've betrayed me. And Mordred says, don't talk to my mom like that. And they have a fight, and he stabs and kills Arthur. And then runs away, and, and Morgane falls into a, a coma. So anyway, I've been talking a while. So uh, <laughs> they go back up to the regular land, and they kill the big old worm in, like, two hits. Done. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. They get back at, like, 85% to the real world. They're like, the worm is coming. And then the worm comes back. Uh, the Merlin names it, says, roll over on your back and show me your belly. So the worm does. And she strikes it with lightning from the black unicorn horn. The book is over, basically. Yes, I have a question. In your book, mm -hmm. when Morgane went into her coma, is she going to continue to be the queen of As... Twilight and no. Darkness? I, I have the answer to your question. Okay. Great. Great. Michelle. Oh, <laughs> I'm guessing something happened. Okay, great. I have, I have the answer to Susan. Because okay. I didn't yes, know. As okay. far as I I just wanted to check because sometimes there are like things that 
have already happened by the time we get to my book, but then they don't happen in either of your books. They just somewhere happen in this space between. Nope. So I wanted to see if that was the thing that happened this time, but no, it sounds like it happened in your book. uh, Tell me uh, all about it. Great. So, yeah. Nothing happens vis-a-vis Telazar. Oh, uh, the cousin dies. Telazar and Shadowing? Nothing happens there. The cousin dies. Daniel. (laughs) No. uh, Uh -uh. Seamus. Who oh, Cammy once left dies basically off screen. Cammy yeah. reaps his soul during the wild hunt, and it's like, wasn't that Delilah's thing with yeah. the Autumn yeah, Lord? That's totally you can't Delilah's just keep thing. having soul reaping, but whatever. And then the book ended, and it was fine. Okay. It was fun. It was, so, the, it was out of the world. I, I do have a question about the other cousin, Daniel. Never Am saw I... him. Great. Okay. Okay, cool. No, nope. I, I never knew, see him either. He's Daniel never was Elton John's brother. Okay. He is older right. than Elton. All right, all right, all right. Because I yeah. have... Older so, so... than me. His older brother. Okay. I don't think I said younger. Yeah. Okay. I was... Adding on to the joke like some sort of yes-ander. You jerk for improving. So, a question. Um, does anyone remember anything about Daniel? So, I've Daniel was referenced in one book. It was, I think, the second of the Manali books that I read. So, like, book six. Um, and in it, he came over to their house. They invited him in for tea. They had a conversation. I can't remember what it was about. And then he left. And that is all that I have known of Daniel. Great. And, and Mick, you don't have any... Nada. Great. So, because what happens at the beginning of my book, um... Panther Prowling. A, yeah, Panther Prowling. Talking about Panther Prowling by Yasmin Gallinor. Um, so the beginning of my book is opening on Camille's birthday, which is also the reopening of the Wayfarer. The yeah, I wondered when the refa- the Wayfarer reopened. It was under construction. Yes. Which is Manali's Bar and Grill, which used to also be in B&B, and also which features two bartenders, one named Derek, who's a werebadger, yeah. and one named Digger, who's not a werebadger. Yeah. Okay, great. Just wanted like to bring that up mole. again. <laughs> Just wanted to bring it up again. Um, uh, so it's Camille's birthday. They're having a special party for her, and then they're also going to have a big party for opening day. Um, Camille was actually surprised, but uh, so like that it was supposed to be a surprise to plan party. Anything yeah, for her. yeah, it was actually surprised. Um, but the downside to Camille being actually surprised is that when Smokey brings her to the bar, she has brought along a creature that she needs to interrogate called a toad squatter. Oh, no. Continuing in the tradition of never seeing the same kind of person twice. Um, I'm the best! <laughs> um, the toad squatter reveals that Iona has been tracking Camille. Iona is a sorceress. I've never read that name before. No. Is she a Svartan sorceress? Maybe from Zvartalfheim. Yes, she was probably the one that would that sold the scroll that made it snow in their living room. I left that part. Out. It's possible. Anyway, um, I have so so. So one of the other things that the Toad Squatter says is that the Raven Mother hired him to find out who was tracking Camille and then let Camille know that. But also, they're not supposed to tell the Raven Mother that they've talked to him. And I'm just like, I don't know what's happening here. And then I have a second question. I, need, is, a, I need a chart. Can yes. I have a point of order for a second? Yes. All of my book's theme was basically whether it was Arthur or Mordred or Cammy or whoever, was basically about people using you for their larger machinations. And it's like, that's worth having a theme about. Yeah. If... You reveal what those larger machinations are. Yes. And every time it was like, you're a part of something greater. Like, you don't know your role yet. 
I felt like I was being used. And it's like, yeah, but this doesn't help me yeah. unless uh-huh. you can, I know what the machinations are. Yeah. And th- I'm not going to read every book. Come on. What, is the, what am I? A reader? Anyway. I legit might go back and read every book once we're done. So, so wow. my second question about the Toad Squatter. I mean, I have a million questions, but probably the most important one is if you're... Stalk, if you're hiring a person to stalk another person, why would you hire a stinky, gross creature that everyone yeah. hates and reacted like virulently negatively to on site? Everyone was like, "Oh God, a toad squatter!" Even a man named Todd Squatter, I would still <laughs> not like if he was anyway. a private eye. Um. So, uh, so they're at the, so surprise party, general success. They question the toad squatter. All the people come in for the Wayfarer grand opening. They're having a grand old time. Um, <laughs> Cast of characters. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Camille orders a goblin blaster, which is a weird name for a cocktail. Um, the recipe given, I really wanted to make sure that this was, ma- that made it into the record. The recipe given was basil liqueur, OJ, and, and light rum and dark rum um, with a twist of orange as a garnish. And I was like, I kind of want to make this. <laughs> Make but it also, in a very small quantity. I do yeah. not. Yeah. I don't think basil liqueur is a real thing. Delilah, of course, gets a Kahlua and cream. Naturally. Okay. This is, she drinks seven. This is hilarious oh, to me because early in my book, there is a scene where um, Chase brings them Starbucks. And I feel like their cocktail orders and their Starbucks orders are both like perfect for the characters because Camille's has like 17 adjectives it's a venti it has a venti four, peppermint it has four, caramel latte yes peppermint that is exactly what it's it is after Christmas um and then um Delilah is like a grande chai latte and Manali's just like I only drink blood <laughs> you can flavor the blood Mario flavors yeah the yes blood. It, she had chocolate flavored blood anyway okay so now we're actually getting into the real story because Daniel shows up He's literally hauled in by a ghost. Is the ghost's name Drummond? The ghost looks like a Viking and has no name. We'll Good, okay. Don't worry about it. He's hauled in by a ghost. He's thrown on on the floor. Um, I believe he has a sword at this point, but I'm not 100% there. The ghost or the Daniel? Daniel. Ah. So Daniel arrives. Um, and the reason that I kept asking you all of these questions about Daniel and whether he had been mentioned is because... Daniel is a member of the International Security Agency, a.k.a. the ISA, which is basically the Impossible Missions Force from the Mission Impossible series. That's Good. literally what he is. He belongs to the IMF. So he's Tom Cruise. Yes. Um, so, uh, uh, and then this is the point where I'm going to switch to... My book also had a lot of summarization situations happening, and I was telling Mick earlier that I didn't take notes for a big chunk, and I was feeling very bad that I wouldn't be able to reconstruct this story, and then I I fired up the book this morning to finish it, and I had just arrived at the section where Camille summarizes everything that's happened so far. I love it when she does that. It's always Camille. Fantastic. So, the summary is given to uh, a third-party character who is only going to be in this book, probably. Um, So Daniel was charmed by someone, TBD, to steal the sword. Um, The sword, which is the MacGuffin for this book, contains the spirit of a Viking named Einar the Bloody. He was bad. Um, And he got to Seattle? Yeah. So the the sword belonged to a guy named Leif Engbar? Engbar? Okay. Leif Engberg. 
Sorry, to find it. Ah, oh, yeah, Engberg. exactly. Leif Engberg, okay. who is like a tech mogul who inherited his dad's company. Or Naturally, um, Daniel, after after he was charmed and stole the sword, brought the sword to the Wayfarer after having an encounter with a Viking ghost. The sisters stored the sword at the Wayfarer because they thought it would be safe. That sounds like a a tongue twister. The sisters stored the sword at the Wayfarer. Of course, they stored the sword at the Wayfarer after they had had a conversation, after Manali and Delilah had had an early conversation about how Delilah's having a hard time getting guard staff. Oh, jeez. (laughs) Really just, you know, the most obvious foreshadowing. Check out, have you seen my gun? Yes. Um... (laughs) shockingly, someone stole it by bewitching their guard. What? Um, And so then, since then, the sisters spent a lot of time looking for the sword and doing research into what it was and learning all the stuff that I just told you about it containing Einar the Bloody. Um, uh, And then they just have to go get it. (laughs) It's basically what's happened. Okay. Daniel stole the sword because he's a cat burglar. Um, wait, wait, wait. Point of order. In this book, I have to ask this question. He does not turn into a cat. Okay. He is a human person. Okay. He is an FBA. So he's from their mother's side. Yes. He's I a cousin see. on their mother's side. So he... He's a CIA cat burglar? Yeah. He's a an... CIA FBH. Yes. Um, so he left the ISA after setting, after setting up basically a series of dominoes that would reveal a bunch of unpleasant mm-hmm. facts if yeah. he was ever killed. Bum, 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 yes. Bum, 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 bum. Um, and now he uses bum, his skills bum, 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 only to rob things from very rich people for other very rich people. Oh, I was about to say, so he's Robin Hood, but no. He's Robin Hood if Robin Hood was only self-interest. Okay. That's what it is. Yeah. So, that's that's Daniel. That's how he got the sword. Um, uh, do, do, do. So... After they've revealed all of these facts, um, basically the person who has the sword wants Daniel to serve as the host for Einar the Bloody, who lives in the sword. Under the sea. Yes. But the person who has the sword is a necromancer who wants to use the power in the sword to, like, take over the world or whatever. You know, I don't know. You know, how vamp- or you know how Vikings are very powerful, magical creatures? Yeah. Yes. Well, it's because he's a dead spirit who's been trapped in a sword for a really long time, so he's gotten really, really powerful, so he's a necromancer. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, So, uh, in order to get the sisters to give up the sword, they send a devil wraith, again, never the same creature twice, um, to the house. Um, This is a very important scene, because during this scene, uh, the the devil wraith attacks the house, including attacking Shade, who (sighs) is... Delilah's currently affianced. Yeah. He is a half Stradalan. Yes. Half dragon. Yes. Prior to this time, we have not known what Stradalans are. Now we know. <gasps> they are a weird, immortal, elemental kind of creature Ooh. who was created by the Autumn Lord and Grandmother Coyote uh, as okay. part of an experiment. Uh, uh, oh, experiment. That failed. Oh. And so no more of them are allowed to be created. Okay. Um, but and the only way that they can breed is with shadow dragons. That's the only way you ever get a half Stradalan is if they have So any shadow sort of Stradalan yes. is a half Stradalan. So also, I found out in this book that Shade has a sister who I feel like y'all would have told me about. Yeah, <laughs> probably. It? Tell me why. Lash? Nope. Her name is Lash. Uh, Not even a little the bit. The only thing I knew about Shade is that he's less weird than Smokey. He is less weird than Smokey. Because Smokey wears a white... Ooh, that was bad. Uh, Smokey wears a white trench coat. 
and it is very rarely commented upon how odd that is. Delilah comments on it all the time. Okay, good. <laughs> Manali is I... constantly furious that Shade is never messy. Yes. Yeah, so like they will Smoky. finish Smoky. Smoky. Yeah. Smokey is never messy, that they will finish a battle and everyone is covered in blood and guts and, and mess. Is and immaculate. Smokey is spotless. I want to take a pause, and I'm sorry for taking a pause in the middle of your book. It's okay. But is Yasmin Galnorn doing something that we're not giving her enough credit for and is sort of uh, unreliable narrating her way through these three perspectives? I think so. I think a little bit. Yeah. Good for her! Yeah. Anyway, Shade, when he turns into a Shade, right. when he turns into a dragon... Is made of bones. It's made out of like bones. Like some sort of... Uh... Like dry bones and dry Bowser. Yeah, like the opposite of wet Bowser. So, uh, the devil ray shows up at the house, and Shade tries to attack it in stradlin form, which basically means he turns himself into, like, fog? Okay. That's what he does. He turns himself into fog. That's actually pretty very cool. frightening. Yeah. But he turns himself into fog, and then all of a sudden, whatever the thing that's attacking the house is, laughs in a creepy way, which I found very uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and then Shade gets kind of, like, knocked sideways. And, <gasps> like, like, all conked out. Well, he, like, gets turned back into a human, or a human form. And then, like, he's, like, disoriented. It's like uh-huh. he has a concussion. And Delilah's like, ah! And then they get out of the house. Of course it's raining, and Camila's wearing a see-through nightie. And they <sighs> comment on it, like, three different times. Nice. Um, uh, but... It turns out that Shade's Stradaland powers have been stripped from him by this attack. And it's oh, very that. distressing. No. So we spend like part of the rest of the book now dealing with that fact. just a regular fact. dragon. Dealing with that fact mostly by Shade saying like, it's going to be really hard for me to deal with this. And that's like how they yeah. deal with it. So, you know, that's how. In that. my book, he's continuing to deal with it by it's mentioned twice that it's really hard for him to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And that's all. Yeah. Um. So the Devil Wraith, they, they end up uh, recruiting... Wilbur, who is the crazy... Wilbur's their neighbor. Oh, yeah! He has a ghoul named... um, Martin. Martin, who is his brother, but dead. about Wilbur. Yeah. So Wilbur the necromancer, and also Ivana Farask, a.k.a. the maiden of Farask. She's an an elder elder fae. She is. She hates Manali. She... So they get her help to get rid of the devil wraith, because she's like, if... If... I will help you if I can have it for my garden. And they're like, uh, I mean, it's really bad. So yes, you can have it for your garden. I guess you're terrifying. Yeah, she's, they, I think that is one thing that they all agree on is that she's terrifying. Um, okay. So then after they get rid of the devil wraith, they do a bunch of crazy stuff. Uh, like Mick mentioned, there's a brief Wikipedia entry on Seattle geography, including the bridges. Yep. Um, and the fact that at one point Delilah is driving across a bridge and realized that she basically forgot to put in her eye pass. And so she's like, ah, I'm going to get a bill in the mail. And I was like, this is a weird thing to say. <laughs> I think that's other world's life and blood. Yeah. It's like, night, I'm going to go fight a devil right. Dang it. The tolls are just... <laughs> yeah. Killing me. They're murder. Um, so, uh, after, so after they're done fighting the devil wraith and doing some other weird errands, uh, they, there's a storm that's going to hit Seattle, like a big windstorm. And I was like, what on earth is this? But it turns out that it's actually something that happens in the Pacific Northwest. Okay. It's called a big blow, which is a very funny name. Um. A Norwester? <laughs> yeah. Uh, basically. And it's just like. Really strong winds will hit Seattle, and so it's like strong winds and rain. It's not a hurricane. It's just like mm-hmm. a weird storm with strong winds and rain. Um, 
So they get hit by one and all the power goes out. And it turns out that when the power goes out, the undead can walk more freely. <gasps> no. I don't yeah. know how that works. By which I mean like ghosts and the idea is that electromagnetism uh, throws them off. Yeah. Stop making that face at me, Mick. I didn't write it. <laughs> oh no. My runes were based on electricity. <laughs> So, um, after the, so the, the storm is hitting at least twice, they go out into the storm in the most ill-advised decisions that yeah. are made during the entire book. It's like, why would you do this? This severe weather happening. You just have to go outside, whatever. Um, they realize that they need to go to an asylum. Somehow there's some weird connection where they need to go to this asylum because they think that that's where the necromancer is going to try to seize control of the sword. Um, so they make their way to the asylum after the storm is over, but the power is still out because, you know, perfect time massive to go to power, asylum. massive power outages across throughout Seattle and then also across the state of Washington. Um, so they're going to this creepy asylum while the power's out and they know that the undead are like more risen or whatever. Is this the same asylum where they found Tam Lynn? I don't know. It's like the Green Belt Asylum Everything or something happened like that. In the green belt. Yeah. Um, so. While they're on their way there, Delilah realizes that she can see spirits walking around, like just like they're normal people. So mm-hmm. she like sees a lady like walk off a bridge or whatever. Um, and she sort of has a mental breakdown. Greta, her death maiden friend, comes and explains to her what's happening um, and basically says, like, I'll teach you how to deal with this later, which seems a little rude. Um, Is she then, leveling up and automating Kind of, it? yeah. yeah. Um, she's That's actually up. how it is described in my book. Really yeah. leveling up? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they, they go in, they have a big fight, and not unlike with the Wyrm, they kind of, you know, two-hit kill. It's, it's more than that because there's a whole bunch of ghosts that they're fighting but they end up wiping out the all the bad guys they capture all the things that need to be captured they send all the things that need to be captured away they do all the good stuff um and the sort of like plot of this book gets wrapped up there is no big plot at all in this book um but there is one thing that feels so weirdly tacked on that i didn't even mention it in my talk through which is morgane dies what she dies um, she dies after... A grief of a broken heart, basically? Basic, they, so they say that she kills herself because she has... Because her heart is broken over the deaths of Mordred, who is reported to have died, and Arturo. Mm. I bet Mordred comes back. I also think that this book happens, like, way later in the year than yours. So yours right, was at Yule. Christmas Day. And mine, I think, is in, like, the late summer, maybe? So I think wow. there's, like, a big window of time between. So the idea is that Mordred somehow died, and Arturo's also dead, and Morgaine oh, yes. basically went to a coma and was very sad about it, and then she found a way to kill herself. Um, <laughs> by which I mean she probably drank some poison. Uh, but this, this event happens after Delilah can see dead people. So when they, when Camille gets summoned, Delilah goes with her. They go in to the Sovereign Fey Nation or whatever. And they, and they're talking to Aval and Titania. And at one point, like they have seen Morgane's body. They know Morgane is dead. Okay. They're talking to Aval and Titania in a different room. And and Delilah sees Morgane walk in the room and, like, basically make fun of Titania and Avon and, like, flip them off a whole bunch and then like, walk out. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and Delilah's like, I don't know what to do. Um, but while they're in that room, do you know what they tell Camille? You're, You're the new queen of dusk and whatever the heck. 
Destiny Twilight. As soon as you were like, so Morgan's still alive, I immediately was like, my my girl Cam is getting a promotion. <laughs> She's not the only one that gets a promotion Ooh. in this triplet. Triplet. I, I am frustrated that in my triplet, my girl didn't do nothing. I know, and that is pretty weird. Do you guys get references to overly powerful magical items in your books? My uh, girl, just the spirit seals. Yeah. Oh, uh, my girl has the black unicorn cloak and a black unicorn horn, and I'm really thinking that Yasmin Galnorn's DM, like astral DM, is like really regret regretting that OP item. Yeah. <laughs> like I thought it would be fun, but no, it's just ruining encounters yeah, yeah. at this point. Um. So I have I have just a few quotes that I wanted to make sure to call out before yeah. we hand over. That's kind of all the stuff that happens in my book. I will take questions. Um. However, <laughs> uh. At, so um. There's, there's like three highlights that I, that I made sure to call out because I just couldn't not. Um, one of them is they're talking to Daniel and Daniel asks something about like over, like he's basically says something like, do I suddenly have the one ring and I'm like being compelled to use it? Because one of the things that happens with the sword is it basically like wipes out your own free will and you do a bunch of stuff that you don't know if you have it. And Camille responds, luckily, Tolkien made up the One Ring. Sort of. Uh-oh. Sort of. <laughs> and my, my comment is, what? <laughs> um, is Tolkien some sort of prophet? In yeah. This? Um, also, uh, there's a brief aside at one point where they're discussing Siobhan, um, who is the Selkie friend. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's announced. Isn't that a drowning horse? It's a, it's a, it's a, um, it's like a were sea lion, basically. I see. Yeah. So Siobhan's been called home to the Isle of Man. Her grandmother died and Siobhan has to take over leadership of the pod. Uh, Delilah says, choking on the apple. I say, first Shara, now Siobhan. Is everyone we know closet royalty? <laughs> I mean, maybe. Yes. <laughs> Um, and then the last one, this one was just really irritating. They go to Daniel's apartment. Everything's very fancy. Um, Daniel offers them a drink. The only person who says yes to a drink is Shade. And Shade asks for a brandy. And Delilah's comment on it is, The brandy snifter was so big it would have taken both my hands to cradle it, but Shade was able to do so with one. To which I respond, Does he have a novelty brandy snifter no. for some reason? Like, yeah. all brandy snifters can be held in one hand. Brandy sneezer, more like. <laughs> I'm sorry, instead of Selkie, I was thinking Kelpie. Yes. Uh-huh. I wanted to get that through. So that's that's my book. That's my book. Camille's going to be the queen, but she's not there yet. Like, it's, like, not official. It's official that it's happening, but it hasn't actually happened. All right. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, Romeo and Juliet, the, uh, I have a question from the mm-hmm. Fantasy Times. Uh, how many times does Delilah shift and do it on purpose? Um, she actually almost, she never shifts without meaning to do it. Good for her. Proud of her. Good yeah, job, she she never shifts without meaning to do it. The only time when she maybe shifts without meaning to do it, it becomes immediately clear that it was like an instinctual decision that she made because she needed better access to like some powers that she doesn't have access to. Right. So it wasn't like she like tumbled into tabby form. It was like she became a puma and then was like, oh, this is easier mm. if I'm like this. All right, Claude Rains, Invisible Man Times. You mentioned that she was be- fiancéd once. 
Or did yeah, she's off. Well, she so only has one. She has one. But it was Susan that mentioned that it was. She yeah. got another one. Yeah, I'm losing I, track of my sisters De- here. Delilah, Delilah, in both terms. Delilah is a one, one, one horse gal. One horse gal. She's not. She's not gonna. She's not gonna be Polly anytime soon. I, I don't see. think. Aside from the fact that she's like kind of affianced to two people, but one of them is the elemental Lord yeah. of Autumn. That's just. Oh, we did find out that Shade is uh can't have kids of his own, and so that's why Delilah's mm. kid is gonna be the, the child Lord's of the child. Lord. Also, yeah. the other thing that kept happening in Little Asides, in addition to Seattle geography, was Delilah thinking about having children. Um, and unlike Camille, she seems to be like cool with it. Yeah, wants a litter. Yeah, yeah. She at one point mentions she wants a bunch of little where where. Like kittens around. Nice. That's adorable. I was like, that sounds horrifying. <laughs> Little Asides was my best prog rock band. Mm. Can I talk about my book now? Yes. Please, Please do. God. Y'all, Please y'all had a bunch of like small plot, no plot. I had all the big plot. I sucked up all the big plot into my book. <laughs> there are like two things that I would like to point out before vampire. we start. I have one question, which is, do you Can have I a sense of bathroom? when your book is set? very shortly after yours. It is like very late summer, early autumn. Okay. Wow. That's a big time skip for yeah. Um we on the subject of uh, every creature has to be a new creature, there are two things that I want to point out. One is bone walkers. A host of bone walkers swarmed around them, magically animated nice. skeletons that were dangerous and hard to kill. This is the part I loved hack them to pieces and the bones would still skitter until the spell wore itself out. And that is just creepy and kind of gross. are their money. And I love so it. So are the worms. The other one is a... I want to point out, we have seen bone walkers before. I know, I just like that description. Rod- oh, okay. I also Rodney's really... The, this was a new one for me, a lichening. Some sort of moss creature? <laughs> a skeletal king. His touch could freeze the flesh and install oh. instant hypothermia. He could suck the magic out of the soul as easily as a kid sucked it's, soda out of a straw. It's probably a Lichkönig. Sure. Which, Lichkönig. It'd be, it'd be German. Lichkönig. König is German for king. Sure. Um, yeah. Lich is the type of dragon that Shade is. Yeah. A reference to a part of this podcast I've deleted. Okay. Um, some things that I really liked about this book, I feel like this is the best Manali book I've read, and I feel like Yasmin Gallinorn's writing got way more descriptive, particularly in her battle scenes. Um, she gets really into Manali being the, like, acrobat, and, like, it's super Ooh, over the top. We'll talk about Yasmin's so, writing. So, in one battle scene, Manali, I sped into a run, then, using the boulder that was standing between us as a springboard, launched myself into the fight, landing square in front of two of the goblins. I've Their eyes three. lit up until I smiled, my fangs descending. A sudden lack of enthusiasm flashed across their faces, and I smiled, satisfied. The, oh shit, it's a vampire look works for you boys, I darted in ignoring their blades. Unless they clipped me in the heart or cut off my head, they couldn't do anything to me that couldn't be repaired. Two points. What? She was already smiling. She was already smiling. Yeah. <laughs> Can't smile twice. <laughs> Second point. A boulder works, or a springboard works because... It's springy? There's springs I know. <laughs> it's just so fun, though. Yeah. I bent my off, knees girl. slightly and launched myself into the air, flipping over his head to land in back of him. As I was Very flipping. Bruce Lee. 
It's Wait. just so fun. I would like to make a motion. I know this wasn't how it was written, but I'd like to make a motion that Bruce Lee be used as an adverb for some sort of uh, Very acrobatic uh, martial art. I did it. Bruce Lee. Um, at one point, Morio and Camille joined hands and a brilliant pentacle of glowing purple flames surrounded them. Death magic. Vanzer held out his hands and long neon-colored tubes began to shoot forth, heading toward the necromancer's head. Rosuriel swept open his duster, and the next moment I saw the magical stun gun in his hand that we'd been carrying around for months now. And Trillian, a glint in his eye, pulled out a long, thin, curved silver blade. Like, it's all just very fun. I'm just, I'm just mad Ro, uh, Roz didn't have a, uh, Uzis. That um, dude loves to carry around Uzis. I know. They're all, like, armed to the teeth all the time. Another thing that I really appreciated about this book is that, like, the the relationships are getting very good. Like, they're in a very stressful time of a lot of change, and they're all doing a very good job. Manali says, I finally started talking to Narissa instead of talking over her, but mostly I started listening to her worries and complaints and taking them seriously. Turns out shutting up and paying attention actually works. Yeah, uh, Delilah and Manali had, like, three different conversations about Narissa in the previous book, so... Yeah, so it's getting better. Um, Some things that happen in this book... Um, do you remember Telazar? Yes, the general of Shadow Wings Legion. Uh, so the he is about storm. to lay siege. Well, he has already lay siege to Elkanev. They go. They all go to Otherworld. All of them. Ooh. Th- then Join Camille the and one of her husbands, who's a dragon, Smokey. Smokey. Go and get the dragons, and the dragons join the fight. Hell yeah! And. In that would have been a, a better very book than mine. similar one-two punch to what you guys have described with your big baddies in your books. Uh, Talazar dies, like very quickly, just just gone. He's dead now. Good. Okay. Um, they get back and there is a lot. There are several um, soup hate groups that have formed. This seems to be a theme with Manali's books because this is because everybody male. super hates vampires, yeah. so it's getting Why? worse. Because they're vampires. I know. Oh. Um, and in order to sort of combat this, they decide that all of the different, like, the wares and the vampires and all of the soups need to sort of join forces. And Some as sort of super league? Part of a way to do that, they decide that Manali, because she and her sisters have a really good, like, they're sort of famous within the soup community... Um, and Narissa, because she's the very prominent wear puma and also a, a, a social worker. Um, Amazon. Both of them need to marry Roman. Both Manali and, and Narissa. And Narissa are going to marry Roman. The son what? of blood, Bloodwine and I, the heir to the vampire throne. I thought Narissa had a, a, a man. She had a guy that she was like hanging out with. Um, she can still do whatever she wants. Roman promised he's not going to get in the way of, like, them focusing on each other. This is a political marriage. Mm. So he marries both of them. Um, We have a wedding ceremony. Seattle's laws are quite lax. Yeah. We have a wedding ceremony. Um, He spends $32,000 on wedding dresses because we plan the wedding in 48 hours. No wonder they both want to marry him. He and Narissa and Roman exchange blood vows, which is very sexual and very gross. Um, Put that in your pocket for a later discussion. Yeah. 
Um, would you like to guess what kind of shoes Camille picks out for Manali to wear to the wedding? Blood stilettos. What kind of shoes did you wear to your wedding? I I wore sandals. I wore wedges. I wore I wore flat sandals, yeah. just like basically flip flops. Yes. Sandals. Manali wore faux crocodile peep toe pumps with four inch heels and a one inch platform. I just liked that particular so, detail. Blood heels. Um, I bet those. they were burgundy. Well, they were faux crocodile. I don't know. I don't I know mean, what that means. You can dye skin whatever color you want. Um. So that was the just wedding. The mo- so like they get married at night because vampires. Duh. Then Manali sleeps the next day. She wakes up the next night. Camille has some bad news. Nerissa has been kidnapped. Of course. So after they killed Telazar, Shadowing got mad and sent a squad of demons after them. The demons kidnapped Nerissa and brought her to the subterranean realms. And so Manali and several of the boys and a contingent of vampires loaned to them by Roman go to the subrealms. The other two girls don't go. They go to the subrealms and they um, go try to rescue Nerissa. I think that Manali would be a fun book to read because it would have to happen in shifts. Yeah. Like, Cammy, if if need befalls, can stay up all night. Yeah. And Manali can't. It's yeah. Actually, it is really interesting. It provides a lot of problems. I do want to read the names of the people that went to the subterranean realms <laughs> because this is very Yasmin Galron. Trillian, Shade, Vanzir, Manali... And the vampires, Tico, Jorge, Sandra, Jacob, and Ron. Ron, this is t- Trillian. Trillian. I just Ron. really love all of we'll the We'll go get Derek and Rodney. She does names. They're so great. Um, so they go down to the subterranean realms. They, um, so guarding Nerissa are four of, you know how the spirit seals are supposed to be wielded by the Knights of Karastar. I seem to remember vaguely. So the Knights of Karastar are going to be under the direction of the Queen of Twilight and Shadow. Or which is Twilight, not Which is going to be Cammy. So when she ascends the throne, she has to basically hire and train all these Karastar Knights so that they can use the Spirit Seals and join them together to ultimately defeat Shadowwing. And... Um, Shadowing has four of the spirit seals. The girls have the other four. Shadowing is trying to create his own version of the Karastar Knights. <gasps> and so when they get down to the subrealms, they see these four fake Karastar Knights with their spirit seals. The Karastar Knights. They kill everybody. They get back the other four spirit seals. What? So they now have eight of the nine spirit seals. There's only also, one missing. They have to find on. it. In my book, they there were three missing. There were three, three in the hands of Shadowing, three in the hands of the sisters. Well, three in this one, there were four and four. <laughs> what? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Panther Prowling, what's next? What's your book called? Darkness Rage. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, one thing I missed about Otherworld was that short, short little uh, series where they would lose... Yeah. That was awesome. No, but I think that was sort of like the the middle part, like the act two. Yeah. Like we're ga- we're, we're gearing up to act three. three. We yeah. are. Um one thing that I think this book did really well was like they're all dealing with a lot. 
Um, Cami and Manali are talking and Cami says, I know what PTSD is like. I still have nightmares of Haito and sometimes flashbacks, but I'm working on it. Um, Manali says, I think we all have nightmares of when Haito kidnapped you. I know even though he said that I still dream of dredge now and again, I think we always carry this crap with us even when we have dealt with it. There's no way you can unmake a part of your life. Um, you can let go of trauma, but the wound it leaves, there's always going to be some sort of, some sort of scar tissue there to remind you. Um, which I think is kind of like a big theme of this book. Manali is like learning how to have emotions again, which is really interesting. She like cries about all the change that's happening and all of these things. Um, she has lots of long conversations about (laughs) what? I thought you were looking at me and then looking at the microphone like I was being too far away. I really have to pee. Oh, I'm almost done. I'm keeping this in. Well, I was talking about all these very serious parts, but now I feel like I have to skip over those. (laughs) All right. Now they have a bunch of spirit seals. Shadowing's going to be after them. I think I I saw that there's three remaining. No, there's this. Oh, three books remaining. Okay. Are there? Okay. So the three books remaining and then it's done. I don't know. I, don't know. I thought it or was Or is she just, still writing? I thought it was a, I finished the Manali and now the Cami is coming out next. But given what you've said about this whole, they've got the spirit zeals kind of thing. So there are three more books. There's one more triplet that has already been written. Yes. So I thought it was like a, well, we're just waiting for the fourth to start the next triplet. But... Maybe, maybe the next is the last one. Awesome. I don't think it was so the so I'm sorry, I pulled up Goodreads on my phone. Um the last book, Blood Bonds, Other World Sisters of the Moon twenty one, was published April fifteenth, twenty nineteen, and there are currently no like forthcoming books. Maybe she's that's been the last focusing one? on the wild hunt books, so as my Amazon recommended has said, because this podcast has destroyed my yeah. data. Which good. Anyway. I want my data destroyed. Lots of big plots. Lots of big plot. Yeah. How much sex happened in your guys' books? Not a whole lot. A lot. Two. There was a sex scene with her and Narissa, and then there was a sex scene with her and Narissa and Roman after their weird wedding. Mm. I just had one. uh, There was one sex. I had a lot. She's getting worse. She's getting closer to Laura Lee here. I think it just, like, is getting concentrated in the Cami books. Yeah. That's a long way of putting it, I suppose. Uh-huh. Just the vocab. Let's put it this way. I don't want to list examples, but the vocab has gotten to mm-hmm. the uh, Laura Lee standard. You mentioned that there's no sweet creams, but you mentioned that there was a dark honey. Mm. Dark honey, just one like, though. I don't like that at all. I, like I still maintain like that. that dark honey is better than sweet cream. Only, mostly because mm. it was only used one only time once, instead of yeah. seventeen. Yeah. Um. Um, one really awkward thing about having a polyamorous relationship in a book that you're reading about, it's having to picture the 3D models and how they would work. <laughs> and I only had two guys and one girl was the, the most crowded the bed got. And at one point, there's a sort of like one, 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 like one in the middle and two on either side. I don't want to get too blue with my sister-in-law in the room, but that makes sense. Okay, cool. And then at a certain point, the one at the front shifts around to be underneath and it's like good for Camille, but now you have another man. Like 
I the guess views, it works. The views are bad. The views are bad, and I'm sure <laughs> that the the nose texture, oh is, no, is the man on the bottom is is a bit slappy. Uh, so good for Morio for taking the bullet for everybody else, I guess, because it seems like it's always him. Morio is oh, definitely Morio. number three in the triumvirate. He's the the uh, Crassus in that triumvirate. Which is funny because he's also the one who's, at least in Delilah's books, I feel like Morio is the one who is always there with Camille yeah, fighting. The, he's definitely the, the other two are like somewhere else. Yeah, Trillian <laughs> and Smokey are very independent fighting wise. And Morio is her like, you know, Partner. holy symbol. Yeah. Or whatever. Um... Also, Delilah, uh, the thing that happens with Delilah just constantly is discussions of what it's like when your fangs don't retract and you are, you know, giving oral sex to your fiance. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Yikes. If I didn't have to be so bad, I'd cross my legs. <laughs> Oof. And, and with hope. that idea, uh, um, we are going to call it quits here at uh, the Harry Potter cupboard. And with Otherworld, we're going to say goodbye for another, hopefully not calendar year, Michelle. Hopefully not. Uh, because then we, we might be able to wrap this, this thing up and then Biblioval can die in the dirt. No. no. Yeah, it's back, baby. Uh, thank you for coming here to join us. I hope you had a good holiday. Uh, this will probably be coming out a while after that, even though we recorded it the day before. I'm glad that Susan was able to sneak a present past her own parents to get my brother-in-law uh, his pajama pants. The comfiest pajama pants that ever lived. That's what I wanted this entire time. I love each and every single one of you very, very much. Anything to... S- oh, uh, my the- name is Mick Dickinson. I said at the beginning, but my Twitter is at Dickima, D-I-C-K-I-M-A-A. You can find the Twitter er, for the show at Bibliovile, B-I-B-L-I-O-V-I-L-E. Well done with the spelling. Thank um, you. My name is Michelle Johnson, and you can find me on Twitter at I-C-F-A-S-N-T-W. I'm Susan, and you can find me at Susan J, S with three U's, S-A-N-J. The intro music for our podcast is Babe of the Night by the band Elixir off of their album Rampant. Have a good night, Matt. Night, Dave. Ah!